Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. First. Now turn the wheel. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Reverse. Don't kill it. Kill it. Kill the There's a reason they say cursed like a sailor. Then reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're stuck now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. I'm your host, Keith Smith, and I'm really excited you chose to join us for this episode. I have a super knowledgeable guy um, here with us, Pete Toll. Pete and I had uh, worked on a podcast prior to this one, and Pete knows everything there is to know about the Philadelphia 76ers. He grew up in the area. He's a big Sixers fan, so he's going to have all the good details as we get into them today. But first, we're going to start with a little bit of news and notes because we've had some big stuff happen in the last couple of days. No, we're not going to start with the big Boston-Philadelphia trade. That'll come up. I promise you that's going to be part of the Sixers portion. But what we're going to start off with is a couple of trade rumors that are out there. But first, I want to welcome Pete. Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Keith. Thank you so much for having me. It's an it's a honor to be back on uh, a podcast with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for joining me. This will be great. So so let's get right into it. Let's talk first about Paul George. So Paul George came out in the last couple of days. It came out that he told the Indiana Pacers that he is done in Indiana at the end of the season. He has one more season under contract, then a player option, and he has made it quite clear that this is going to be his last year with the Pacers and that he does intend to leave, and most believe that he intends to leave and head to the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, what that immediately sparks is trade rumors because if you're the Pacers, you got to get something for him, right? You can't just let the guy hang out, play out the year, and then watch him walk away for nothing. So what has come up here in the last couple of days, or really today, it came up is that, that the team, as reported by Adrian Wojnarowski from the vertical, is the Cleveland Cavaliers. So Pete, I'm going to kick it to you to what do you think it would take to make a trade work with the Cavs? Well, the the rumor is that the third team involved, I think, is the Phoenix Suns. They they were dangling Eric Bledsoe possibly um, in a package. Um, it, it would be interesting because obviously Kevin Love is going to be um, on his way out. Um, but as a far as a rental for for Paul George, it'll be interesting to see um, next summer because LeBron has um, the option um, as well to to decide his future. Um, of Cleveland, as does Paul George, and, and we all know that Paul George's preference is the Los Angeles Lakers. So it'll definitely, definitely be interesting to see um, if George makes his way to Cleveland. That would really put, um, obviously, pressure on what Boston is is trying to do there, um, which is 
is you know overtake Cleveland as the best team in the East, as well as put pressure um, on Golden State to kind of combat that Kevin Durant uh, dynamic. Yeah, you know what I find really interesting is. I've had a couple of people say, great, they can trade for Paul George, and then the Cavs can watch both George and LeBron James leave for for Los Angeles. And that, you know, is, that, that would be, you know, kind of humorous and funny to think about, but I don't I don't think that would actually be how it would play out. But I think the, the big thing is the Cavs are, and we're going to get into this with Jimmy Butler next, the Cavs, kudos on them for constantly trying to put talent on this roster. But people keep saying, well, how can they make it happen if they don't trade Kevin Love? I just can't see it because they are completely out of assets. They cannot trade a first-round pick to the earliest until 2021. They owe a first-round pick to Portland this year, 2017. Then they owe a pick to Atlanta in 2019, which is top 10 protected. So what you can do is you can write up the trade to say two years after that pick delivers, and that would be 2021 or later. They can do that, but now you're talking about picks that are four and five and six years down the road. I don't know that that's really overly interesting for a team. So what they really have to do is put Kevin Love in the deal, spin him off to another team, and then come back around and have that team add their asset value to, in this case, the Indiana Pacers. So it's really kind of interesting it's tough to see, and really that's the same conversation that's happening with Jimmy Butler as well. So that's the other rumor out here. So originally reported today by Adrian Wojnarowski that the Minnesota Timberwolves are looking at getting Jimmy Butler, which is you know a little bit surprising, but not fully because of the Tom Thibodeau connection from their days in Chicago. But they are also then Mark Stein, I mean seconds later, if you were on Twitter, with the Cleveland Cavaliers are trying to put together three-way trades to get Jimmy Butler. So we already talked about Cleveland because they would basically take Cleveland doing the same thing to get Butler or George. So let's get into Jimmy Butler and the Timberwolves. What what do you think about that one? What kind of package would they have to offer up? Um, you would at least have to throw out their, their um, draft pick this year. I would want Ricky Rubio. Um, give me – I know <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. I know Zach Levine is, has been rumored, but he's coming off a, a you know pretty uh, major injury. I would try to swing for the fences and see if you couldn't try to get Andrew Wiggins. I know it's probably you know far fetched to get it, but you can at least ask um, and see what you come up with. Um, I know Tom Thibodeau is is enamored with Chris Dunn. I don't know why, but um, you know somehow some way. Put a package together, Ricky Rubio, this year's draft pick, a future first, maybe Tyus Jones and, um, you know, another um, player. I guess it'd be Zach Levine because I don't really think Minnesota comes off of uh, Wiggins. And, you know, there you go. Um, that that could potentially be something for uh, Chicago because um, we saw the couple deals that Chicago did this past year and they weren't really favorable on Chicago's side, um, to say the least. So maybe they'll get a little bit better um, end of the deal in this one, getting some some assets for the future in those two picks and and if Levine is healthy. Yeah, and that becomes a really interesting piece there is what is 
you know, it's Minnesota who has really, they've patiently built around this group, put this team together. Some would say they lucked into Wiggins because they wanted to trade Kevin Love, but that's, that's fine. It still happened. So now you've really built what has been thought to be kind of a threesome that's going to be the team that gets them back to the playoffs. And that is Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and Zach Levine. But with Levine coming off that, that ACL tear, that does become really interesting to see if that's changed his his trade value at all. But that is, I think you're right on um, what you're saying, is that is the type of package it would take to make something like that happen because you're not going to be able to just give up a pick to get Jimmy Butler. You're going to have to send something else back. So now I want to flip it. One more question on these two guys, mm-hmm. on Butler, Butler and Paul George. Who are some other teams you could potentially realistically see getting involved in the conversation? I'm going to take one off the list right away, the Boston Celtics. Absolutely, we already know that. They will make offers. They, they aggressively pursued both guys at the trade deadline. They will make offers if they can and get at them. So what do you think as far as the um, other teams that could be out there that might go after either one of these guys or both of them? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, obviously, the Lakers, you could probably take them off the table for Paul George right now because if you can get Paul George, you know, he's already said, hey, I'm going to the Lakers in 2018. So you know you can get him in free agency. So why give up, um, you know, assets like D'Angelo Russell? Now, if, if you know, um, Indiana was to take Jordan Clarkson and, and Timothy Mozgov in some weird, you know, dream world, then – you know, I, I would take it, you know, in a heartbeat, but it's not going to happen. Um, I would say as far as maybe a team that could sneak in there, you could see um, the Clippers try to throw something together for a rental. Um, I don't really know how realistic that is because they've got to pay Chris Paul and they've got to play uh, pay Blake Griffin as well. Um, as far as Jimmy Butler, um, I know last year, obviously, Denver had a lot of interest in Dwayne Wade. Um, maybe losing, uh, potentially losing Danilo Gallinari. Maybe they make a sneaky run in there and and try to put you know a package together. They have a lot of young guys that you know are, are good you know quality assets on the team. Um, I would not, under any circumstances, give up Jokic or Gary Harris. I'm a huge fan of of both of those players. Um, you know, but maybe some some other uh, pieces in there. Maybe a draft pick or two kind of thrown in there. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, when it comes to those two guys, you're going to see a major player, whether it's, you know, the Celtics sneaking in there to try to make the move or, um, you know, something of that nature. Real, realistically, with Jimmy Butler, I could see Minnesota being the offer that that kind of tips the scale, and he ends up there. Paul George, um, it, it could go a number of ways um, with him. It's it's kind of hard to say just because now with him making that announcement, they're in best offer mode, so a team could just sneak in there. But actually, I'm going to throw it back to you. What What's a team that maybe you think um, could sneak in there maybe that I haven't mentioned? Yeah, I like that you mentioned Denver. Denver is not afraid to swing for the fences, and I think they are really at a point where they want to do a little bit of consolidation and move this rebuild forward. So that could be definitely an interesting team to watch there for probably more Jimmy Butler because I think they'd want the security of having him under contract for a couple extra years versus Paul George who who could turn around and walk away. So so it'll be definitely interesting to see, you know, how that all plays out. I will say what is 
there, the one thing I can almost guarantee at this point is I think Jimmy Butler will, will certainly return a bigger con, uh, bigger package, I should say, of in trade than Paul George will, strictly because of the fact that he is under contract longer. So we'll have to see. But while we are recording this, a little bit of breaking news here. So we're recording this on Monday night. It's almost 7.30 on the East Coast. And news has just come out that David Griffin will be out with the Cleveland Cavaliers as the general manager. Um, wow. By Mark Stein and, uh, or excuse me, Brian Windhorse, rather, of ESPN and then Adrian Wojnarowski. And Woj is reporting Chauncey Billups is expected to emerge as a candidate to replace David Griffin. So Cavaliers, apparently what the word is early, <clears throat> just could not come to a deal to retain Griffin. At this point, I think it would have given him whatever he wanted. I can't see why they are not um, looking to make those those moves, but we're just going to have to see where that one plays out. But if you tuned in for the Philadelphia 76ers, we're going to get into that now because they are obviously Pete's team, the team he follows and um, covers a little bit, so we're going to dive in on this one. So I always like to say we got to look backwards before we look forwards and forward. And with Philadelphia, 28-54, and 54, 14th in the Eastern Conference last season. Offensive rating of 103.2, that's 30th in the NBA. Defensive rating of 108.9, 17th, so they improved the defense. And they were actually a very good defensive team when Joel Embiid played. Fifth in pace, so those are kind of your stats. But Pete, real quick, just kind of give us an idea on how the season went. Did it go as expected, better than expected, worse than expected? What are your thoughts? It went better than I expected, of course. Um, I believe I had 21, 22 wins, um, you know, for the season. I think, honestly, if we had seen uh, Joel Embiid, you know, play for longer than 31 games for the season, they would have had a couple more sneaky wins in there. Because uh, towards, um, you know, right around uh, February, they ended up kind of making a little little streaky um, run to where they – you know, potentially were right there neck and neck. It, I don't know if that says how good the the Sixers were getting or how bad the the bottom of the East was getting. Um, but they're they're very intriguing. I'm very excited for the future, and and I saw some bright glimpses uh, this past year out of uh, uh, quite a number of guys actually. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know, and it wasn't just Embiid. I know he's the one that we're all really excited about and can't wait to see step forward. But Dario Sarge played really well, especially later in the season. Nick Stauskas actually improved to quite a bit where he actually looks like a legitimate NBA player now. Uh, we also saw Robert Covington, I think, start to get a little bit more national shine on the, the bigger stage. Even some of the lower-end roster guys, the role players, the TJ McConnells, Timothy Luau Cabarro, and Rashawn Holmes, those guys all stepped up and had nice seasons for the 76ers as they, they look to, to push forward. And the good thing is now what you're seeing with those guys is they did fine as starters on a bad team, which a lot of time projects to when they get better talent, now those guys will be good backups. So, and that's something you need if you're going to really push it forward is you need that depth. You, you can't just have those two frontline guys and hope, hope for the best around that. So definitely things are looking up for Philadelphia. So getting into their offseason details a little bit here. Philadelphia can have as much as $61.7 million in cap space. That is correct, $61.7 million. Now, that's the max. So I always like to caution, 
That's if they didn't sign any of their draft picks, if they let all their free agents go, waived all their non-guaranteed guys. So that's a very unlikely number. That's not going to be where it gets to. What their projection is, and if you want to follow along, you can go to my Twitter timeline, at KeithSmithNBA, and you can find it. Look at the pinned tweet to the top of my timeline. It has a link to my NBA salary and roster sheets. There's a tab in there called 2017 Projected Space Worksheet, and it'll show you all my thoughts how I get to this projection. But my projected cap space for the Philadelphia 76ers, $40.2 million dollars. The one number that's probably a little up in the air on that is if they bring back Gerald Henderson or not. If they do, if they don't, that'll climb up to forty-nine million dollars. So they basically get enough room to sign a max guy and then go out and still do a whole heck of a lot. But before we get into free agents and who they may sign and who they're not going to sign, let's talk about the big trade made official today. Again, we're recording this on Monday. The Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics completed a trade for the number one overall pick. Philadelphia will acquire number one in exchange for the number three pick in 2017. Then the 2018 Lakers pick will go to Boston if it falls between two and five. If it's number one, Philadelphia keeps it, or if it is six through 30. So Philly's protected if Dave falls as the number one overall pick. Boston's protected if it falls later than that in the draft. If the Celtics do not get that pick, then it slides over to the 2019 Sacramento Kings pick that would come to Boston. And that one has an interesting protection on it. If the Philadelphia 76ers or Kings land at number one, the other pick goes to Boston. The other one goes to Boston. If neither one lands at number one, Boston gets the best of those two picks. So kind of complicated. I encourage you to know, check it out online. You can read all about it and see what those protections are. But So essentially two first-round picks to, for, for the ability to move up uh, two spots in the draft. So what I'm going to ask you, Pete, is it's Markel Fultz, right? Nobody else is going to sneak in there? No, nobody, nobody sneaks in there. I mean, I know there was rumors about at one time De'Aaron Fox. That's a terrible fit. Um, and then Lonzo Ball, but you've already got Ben Simmons at 6'11", you know, more or less. He grew supposedly an inch, um, you know, can do everything that, that Lonzo can do. So you, you've got to go with Foltz, the ability to create in the pick and roll. Just imagine, you know, Embiid and, and Foltz and then Simmons even in the pick and roll. Um, surround those guys with quality shooters, and, man, this team is going to – it's going to be a force um, in the East for a couple years, you know, at least in a couple years for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that was a, a little facetious, right? But it is absolutely 100% going to be Markel Fultz. It, put it this way, if they don't, no one's going to trust the process anymore and they're going to riot. In Philadelphia yeah, I, I will too. I'll be one of the first ones. To yeah, right. Them. So what we're going to um, – do now is what I without getting into names because it's too confusing, too hard to project. But Philadelphia has four second round picks this year, I believe. If that's correct, I'm going to double check that. But I do believe that's what it is, and that is correct, right? Yeah, they do. They have the Atlanta Hawks, the Dallas Mavericks, the Miami Heat, and the New York Knicks. So surprisingly, they have four, but not one of them is their own. Um, but anyway, what you're going to see is. Philadelphia, in my opinion, a minimum of two of those guys are going to be stashes. 
And I wouldn't even be shocked if they sell or trade one of those for something down the line, some sort of future pick. I just can't see them making all four of those picks because they're just not going to have roster space for all of those guys. What do you think about that? They're definitely not going to have four second-round picks at the end of the day. Um, I think that they're actually two of them probably get packaged for somewhere in the you know twenty-eight you know to thirty range in the draft. Um, you could go after a guy like a Jordan Bell, um, who you know basically is one of the better defender uh, defensive prospects in the draft. A good pick and roll um, defender, you know, against big men. The only thing is, is he's six eight, but his wingspan seven foot. He's got good foot speed. Um, could fit in there well because if a guy like Rashawn Holmes has another good year, potentially he could be gone. Um, and then um, I know we'll talk later of individual guys, um, but Jalil Okafor may not be on the roster yep. um, as well. Um, you know, so a couple options there. And if they keep the draft and stash option, I think at least um, if they keep two out of the four picks in the second round, I think actually both of them might be uh, draft and stash um, guys. Maybe a big man, um, Anches Pozninskis, the 7-2 center, um, could be an option, you know, for later um, to keep because he'll have value as he develops. Um, And then maybe a guy like uh, Jonah Bolden, if he doesn't sneak into the first round, uh, because he played overseas, obviously played at UCLA as well. Um, He is kind of, you know, a stretch four. Um, You know, he could end up staying overseas um, you know, for all intents and purposes, may end up, you know, in the D League as well. If that happens, they have another asset that they could use for the two-way contracts potentially. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, if you're a Philadelphia fan, they're going to pick Markel Fultz. That'll be over about five to ten minutes in the draft coverage. Don't turn it off because they still have four more picks, so they're probably and they're probably going to move around the board a little bit. So now I want to move it into talking about a guy they drafted last year, and he was a draft and stash. First-round pick last year, Furkan Korkmaz. What's your thoughts on him? Do you think he's coming over this year to Philadelphia? Um, well, he's over right now. He's kind of yep. uh, been practicing with the team, things like that. I don't think, just based on where the roster is right now um, and his lack of elite experience, I know he... Um, played for um, Anadolu FAs um, at the beginning of the season, was loaned out to Bonvit um, in the Turkish League. They won the Turkish League championship, and then Korkmaz was actually third-tier, um, you know, one of the third-tier players of, of the year prospects over there. Um, but I think with Korkmaz, obviously his upside is a shooting, um, and then – you know, basically beyond that, his length on the defensive end where he can improve. Um, but he's got to add weight. He's got to get just more experience. He's not playing at an elite le- on an elite level um, team as he would have if he was on Anadolu Efes, um, you know, for the entire year and, and gotten a lot of playing time. He's got to develop his ball handling skills. Um, but I think he can kind of fit – for the future next season, he can kind of fit what the Nick Stauskas role was this past season. 
Yeah, absolutely, and that's and that's what I think the long term goal is. I think they would love to get him in this year and be one of those where he plays you know ten minutes a night off the bench while he adjusts to the NBA and then ready for a bigger role in year two as the team is probably ready for a bigger step forward. But what could impact that and what I want to get into now is free agent targets. So normally on the show, we talk the team's guys first, and then we get into, well, if they do this and that, maybe they'll have enough cap space to go get a free agent. Well, they've got enough cap space without doing anything. (laughs) So we know that they can go get a free agent. So let's talk about some of the targets. The position I've kind of targeted from the beginning for them is that more traditional pure shooting guard. That seems to be the one position, despite Nick Stauskas having improved his game and stepped forward last year and shown, again, the ability to really be a competent NBA player, at least as a shooter. He shot 37% from three last year and made, made some strides as a ball handler and passer as well. I still think that's the position they really need to fill. Now, people will say, well, Covington can play there. Yeah, but Covington's not really, that's not his position. That Justin Anderson's not really ready. Lawawu Cabarro's not ready. If this team's going to move forward, they've got to get a veteran in there, or at least a guy with slightly more experience. So the, the target, number one target I like for them, and I really want to get your thoughts on this, is J.J. Redick. And my thought with J.J. Redick is, pay J.J. Redick a ton of money. I don't care if you give him $24 million, $25 million for maybe two years. Overpay him if you have to get him. You have the cap space. Why not? But what are your thoughts on J.J.? I am a huge, huge, huge J.J. Redick fan. I've all my, you know, through his entire career. Um, Quick side note, his birthday actually falls exactly one day before mine. So whatever weird connection we have there, and, and I was a shooter and, and uh, when I played, and obviously J.J. does that well. Um, the idea of putting J.J. on the Sixers would just be a dream come true for me because then I get to watch him even more. Um, but I think he is um, the perfect player to complement Ben Simmons bringing the ball up. Um, it allows um, J.J. to give experience to Marco Fultz as far as perimeter shooting, which Fultz kind of struggles in. Um, a little bit in his limited sample size um, that he played in college last year. Um, Redick also is able to help you get your offense going early in games, which would then allow um, to take the pressure off of Joel Embiid throughout the game. And Simmons, of course, as well as Simmons could slash to the to the rim, um, cutting as JJ could you know make the the quick pass inside. The thing with JJ is I just worry as he's getting. Um, he'll be 33 in, in another week. Um, just defensively, you know, how sharp of a decline he's going to hit. But you know what? You, you've got the, the money. You might as well um, pay some kind of veteran um, at that, that shooting guard spot and, and use that money up. Yeah, and that's my thought exactly is what you just said. They're not going to – I know people think, well, this team's had cap space forever. They're going to have cap space forever. No, they're not. <laughs> they're about to get really, really expensive. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But spoiler alert, Joel Embiid's due for an extension already. So let's not talk that now. and We'll, we'll table that just for a couple minutes, and we'll get back to that one. But I'm going to hit you with two more targets, and these guys are restricted free agents. And these are Contavious Caldwell-Pope, again, that more traditional shooting guard. He's a good shooter. He is a good defender, unlike J.J. Redick. He's one of the, you know, considered to be one of the better uh, two-way players at the shooting guard position. And he is a guy who can defend both guard spots, which is a big versatility 
bump that you really want to have, especially with a guy like Markel Fultz, because then you could have KCP guard the better guy, Fultz guard the worst guy, especially as adjusts to the NBA. That would be a big um, help to his transition. Then the other guy, he's more of your traditional small forward, but can play a little bit of small ball four, and that's Otto Porter. So those two guys are two guys that I kind of think could also fit in addition, by extending them a big offer sheet, not for either one, I would go max offer sheet right out of the gate. Just give it to them and force their teams to match. You're taking two rival teams, the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Wizards, two teams the Sixers need to pass in the standings eventually. You're taking a ton of money off of their cap sheet if you did that. What's your thoughts on either one of those guys? I like Contavious Caldwell-Pope as the, the you know number one option that I'd go for. Um, followed by J.J., and then if we really had to stretch it, Otto Porter, but I think that Brooklyn is going to go all in on on either Caldwell Pope or Porter, um, hoping that they can probably land Otto Porter. Yeah, and, um, and sorry to interrupt you, Pete, but all indications are that Brooklyn will go after restrictive free agents again like they did last summer with Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb. Just this time, the, the options are a little bit better, so it sounds like they will go all in on them again. But go ahead and continue. Um, the the thing with with Caldwell Pope, I just want to see consistency from him. Um, at, at times, you know, he doesn't you know show the most level of consistency. He doesn't shoot the ball um, as well as I'd like him to. But he is young. He's you know only twenty four. You know, lots of time to improve. But um, with Porter, just I I don't know. I just never have been a huge fan of his. I think it's going to be you know a mistake if you max him out. I don't think he's you know. Uh, a low-level player by any means, but I just don't know that right now um, maxing Otto Porter would be the smartest idea. I just I would let uh, Brooklyn potentially make that mistake and and go that route. But um, two guys I kind of thought about for them, um, Bohan Bogdanovich there, um, just as a, in a shooting role. Um, I know he's not going to play a lot of defense, and that doesn't mean throw a max contract at Bohan Bogdanovich, mm-hmm. but um, you know, just to be able to get a shooter in there. And then another shooter is C.J. Miles. Just, you know, get experience, can knock down shots, can play multiple positions. Um, and then if you were trending towards defense and you really wanted to get a, a good um, guy that's going to be aggressive and really help your culture and, and push guys to the max, you go after a guy like Tony Allen for the defensive um, mindset. Obviously not going to give you anything – really on offense, but just there for locker room presence, veteran guy that can really amp up your defense and, and get things going. Yes, my only fear with Tony Allen is we might have to return to the old uh, 90s style where they win games 92-90 to 90 because yeah. I don't know who's going to shoot the ball on, exactly. on that team. But but I, it, it's it, it's definitely you know, an interesting idea. I, Bogdanovich, you know my love for him from our, our old show. He's the guy I'm really high on all the time. I think he can help a lot of teams as an offensive player. My concern with Otto Porter for this team and why I have him a little lower on their target list is I think there's too much overlap between him and Dario Saric and Ben Simmons. They both are kind of combo forwards that can play either spot. And two of those guys is great, but having three of them, that gets to be a few too many mouths to feed. And that would start to really, I think, potentially screw up the rotation too much long term. Now, a lot of people would say, well, then you have a trade asset. The, that, and that's true. 
But you don't really want to sign a guy with the idea of then, well, now we can turn around and trade another guy. That's just not generally how it works. So, so it will be interesting to see which direction they go. So now what I want to do is I want to talk about the guys who are currently on the roster. So what I'm going to do, Pete, is I'm going to hit you with the free agents, the, the first, and then you let me know if you think that they'll be back or if you think that they're going to be gone. All right? So let's All right. start out with Sergio Rodriguez. He was brought back from overseas, was the starting point guard for roughly half the year before being replaced by TJ McConnell, who ended up becoming the starting point guard really from, for about half the year as well. What is your thoughts on Sergio Rodriguez? Is he back for another run in Philadelphia, or is his time up? I think his time is up. Um, obviously, he played great to, to start the year. Um, earned the starting job, as you said, out of training camp, played well early on, um, and then he ended up getting injured. Um, and then, obviously, his lack of, of defense, um, not being able to keep up with the speed of the NBA, um, just did not work in his favor. Um, I know that he's expressed his, his desire to stay in the NBA, and I know I, I know I keep throwing Brooklyn out there, but Brooklyn has looked for European options at point guard. You could put Rodriguez on the team as a third guard just to kind of mentor um, some of their younger point guards um, there, Isaiah Whitehead and some some others. Um, So I think he has a place in the league, just not on um, Philadelphia because they're obviously going to go the route of Marco Foltz. They're going to have Ben Simmons um, and, you know, maybe some other options there. Yeah, and and I think it's fair to also say T.J. McConnell passed him. By the end of the year, he passed him in the rotation, and he's going to be the guy there. So so I do think it's interesting with Rodriguez. I think you're right. I think it's time for him to move on. I think he will be playing for another team somewhere as their backup or third point guard, probably a team that's a little closer to contention, I think would be his ideal situation. So we're going to go into the next guy, another foreign player, Tiago Splitter. Now, I know he was only with the 76ers for a brief time, only gotten into into eight games as it took him a little while. But in those eight games, he did show a little bit. Only, you know, barely played, only just about 10 minutes a game, but did show that he can still play, that he can move, he can still do some things. A um, little on the older side here, but any chance he's back or is the front court just way too crowded in front of him? I don't I don't think that he comes back. Um, you know, I think Brian Colangelo, if I'm not mistaken, he came out and um, said that, um, you know, more than likely he probably um, won't be back. He just wanted to be able to get splitter healthy um, to give him that opportunity to, to hit free agency and kind of see what's out there. And they have a glut of guys, obviously, Okafor, Bede, um, Rashawn Holmes there. And then if they draft a, a big in the second round, that's going to be a lot to overcome. The thing with Splitter is is the injuries, I think, just you know hit him pretty hard. And um, even though he's he played those four-minute bursts, I don't know how much he has left to, to really bring to a team on a nightly basis. But if you put him um, on a team and he's like that, fifth or sixth big man that's kind of at the end of the bench and you call on him for six to, to eight minutes every, you know, 10, 12 games, then I think he'll be fine. Yeah, my my uh, sleeper for splitter is don't rule out a return to San Antonio. 
I think that they're going to need a big, and I think they already know what they can get out of him. He fits in there well. He should come very cheap on this next contract, so watch what I'm in agreement. Last guy, last free agent. There's only three on the entire roster. Last one, Alex Poitras. So he was added extremely late in the year, and he got into six games with Philadelphia really at the very end when they were just trying things, playing different guys. He's a restricted free agent this summer. Do you think that they give him a qualifying offer and give him a chance to sign it and come back? Or do you think it's, no, we're not even going to give the qualifying offer and let him move on? I think he's someone that they actually should give the qualifying offer to. Obviously played most of the year for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants and uh, made the D-League All-Star game. Uh, But when he actually got into um, game action, he did well for for the Sixers. Um, He started the final game of the season had 18 points, six rebounds, and just over 31 minutes. Um, you know, played in the home finale, ended up hitting five threes, had 15 points. Um, the injury that he had um, in high school um, ended up, you know, kind of causing him to to have a little bit of delay, or college, I'm sorry, have a little bit of delay um, getting in the NBA. But if he can build off of those two games and, and play well, um, hopefully he makes the summer league team. Um, he could, if not be back with Philly, at least audition for a role um, for another team. But he, out of those three, would be the most likely that I would say that would come back. Now, the only thing I'm going to say is in the last day of the NBA season against bad teams playing it out, and then when you're on a bad team, I think you or I might be able to throw up at least 10 points. But, but we'll yeah, I'm, I'm good for three threes out of, out of that game. Yeah, and, and that's a complete exaggeration because I'd make it up and down the court twice and then that'd be the end of my, my <laughs> NBA time. Yeah. So. so now I want to move into the non-guaranteed guys. So the first guy on this list, he, he's <laughs> we're not going to talk about whether he'll be back or not because we, we both know he's going to be back, and that's Robert Covington. So what happened with him is Philadelphia had a team option on his contract, and they did exercise that last week. So he is now converts into a non-guaranteed contract. He is fully non-guaranteed, becomes 50, a little over $53,000 guaranteed on August 9th, and then fully guaranteed on the league-wide guarantee date of January 10th, 2018. We know he's going to be back. He is absolutely one of the best bargains, the biggest deals in all of the NBA. No question about that with Robert Covington. But the question I have for you is, do you think if Philadelphia, obviously if they go out and start signing free agents left and right and use up all their cap space, that's one thing. But if they have cap space left, do you think they do one of these renegotiate and extend deals, which Covington is eligible for? And one of the cool things with him is they could pay him, let's say, with a number of heard thrown out there several different places. I know Danny LaRue is big on this one from Real GM, is... Covington gets $20 million in his first year because this is one of the only times in this, this type of contract where you can really truly front load a deal. $20 million in the first year, and then you can really drop that contract by up to 40%, so something like $12 million or $11 million in that second year, and then going down from there to kind of give Covington a ton of money now, less money later, which would help Philly spread it out on the cap sheet and maintain some cap flexibility. Do you think that's a possibility for a guy like him? Yeah, I think they re-up him. Um, I know the rumor out there was a potential, what, four years, was it $36 million or $39 million? Yeah, which that's not going to get it done. <laughs> that's not No, enough. no. Um, I think, you know, you're looking at 
um, at least a three-year deal, probably, you know, maybe 17, 18 million a year um, potentially could get it done for him, I think. Um, For me, what stands out about Covington the most is his defense. I know people talk about, well, you know, he struggled with his shot and, and we just, we don't like him on, you know, how Philadelphia fans can be. We don't want him on the team, trade him. You know, he slumped at the beginning of the year, but um, what many people don't know is that when he was actually on the floor, um, Philadelphia um, basically defensively only gave up 103.3 points per game. But when he was off the floor, they gave up 109.9. So huge difference from right around fifth in the NBA to almost the bottom at 28th in the NBA. Um, the thing with Covington – um, is he is coming off the torn meniscus, so hopefully he's healthy um, and you know comes into training camp with a, a good shot and some confidence. And I think he will. I think being able to defend, um, knock down shots, that he's going to get a lot more open looks now um, with both Fultz potentially and then um, Simmons playing this year. Absolutely, yeah. I think he is a great fit with what they've got. I I do think uh, his situation will be highly dependent on what they do with the rest of their cap space this summer. But if they have cap space, I do think that they're going to do that, renegotiate and extend, really bump his contract way up, and then they'll slice it down um, for the remaining years. So he'll get as much as he would have gotten anyway for the life of the deal. He's just going to get it all up front, which if you're a player, why not? I might as well take it now. Now we're going to get into a little bit more of the traditional, do they stay or do they go? And let's start off with a guy, Gerald Henderson, $9 million, but fully non-guaranteed for the team. He does become fully guaranteed on June 30th, so they've got to make a decision before free agency if they want that $9 million in extra cap space or if they want to bring him back. Now, I will say, my projection is that he stays because I've been told they enjoyed his veteran presence. He was the grown-up in the locker room. He helped keep the team kind of on task. They like his versatility as a player, even if his on-court impact isn't all that much anymore like he used to be. But what are your thoughts on Gerald Henderson? Because I know this is kind of a polarizing conversation for Philadelphia fans. I'm actually right there with what you said. I want him for the veteran presence because you've got so many young guys. I mean, he's a mentor um, for those guys. He can put up points if he needs to. He's not going to be a lights-out scorer. Um, There's a few times during the season I kind of had to shake my head at some of his ISOing at the end of games and and trying to to take the win. But, you know, as a veteran guy – um, you know, first and foremost, it's that locker room voice just to be the mentor, um, if anything. I mean, I know we see it with guys. I mean, he's not to the level of um, a Mike Miller or anything like that, but just having that voice, I don't care about your on-court uh, production. Not everybody is going to get into a game, um, but just be there for that mentor role. So absolutely um, bring him back, um, you know, as a more towards the end of the bench guy. Yeah, so so you and I are there, and I and, and you almost wish his guarantee date was a little later, so that if they knew if they needed that, it wouldn't. May, maybe they waive him and then say, you know what, hey, we're gonna waive you, and, and have that extra nine million in space, and then they'll bring him back if they mm-hmm. they aren't able to use it. That is a possibility as well. So I'm moving to the next guy, T.J. McConnell. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Again. Fully non-guaranteed. He's at the two-year veteran minimum of, of almost $1.5 million. His contract becomes fully guaranteed on January 10th. Again, the league-wide guarantee date. 
he's a guy who was really, a, he was a Sam Hinkie kind of guy. A bring him in, bring him to training camp, see what it looks like, see what this guy can do. And all of a sudden, here we are two years in, and he's the team's starting point guard. Now, obviously, Markel Fultz is going to come in. If he's not the starter on day one, he probably will be by day two or three. And then T.J. McConnell slides into a backup role. But I think what he has shown over these last two years is that he can be an effective backup point guard. Thoughts on T.J.? The big thing is he's absolutely um, outperformed anything that I thought he would do um, for the team. Obviously, he's not going to start. But he could be right there in the rotation um, as a backup guard because we saw, you know, Jared Bayless didn't play very much uh, last season, I think three games total um, with the wrist injury. With McConnell, the thing that scares me is that other teams are going to be able to bid more um, and go after him, and Philly's going to end up, you know, losing out for a better opportunity for McConnell. And it actually, um, as much of it, you know, that pains me to see McConnell go. I actually would not be opposed to seeing him go get a better opportunity somewhere, get some meaningful minutes, um, and really shine. But if he's, you know, if I had my selfish reasons, I would want him back with the Sixers because he's that reliable backup that has great chemistry with uh, Joel Embiid, um, Dario Saric. And then um, the only thing that really he, that's a sore spot that he has to work on is that three-point shooting. Um, but I think that can be, improved as, as he gains more experience. We saw he was able to overtake uh, the veteran savvy Sergio Rodriguez for the starting job, so he can play. Yeah, absolutely. I think he probably projects best as a backup uh, point guard in the NBA. Just that's where his skill level seems to be. So we're in agreement. He comes back. Next guy, I think we're going to be in agreement on this guy too, Rashawn Holmes. He's a guy who he gets caught up in the the – the massive big men there. So first it was Nerlens Noel, then Joel Embiid, Julio Okafor. Holmes has always been kind of the third guy in, but because those guys just don't stay healthy, he always ends up playing more than I think originally expected. Last year, 57 games, 17 starts, 9.8 points per game, 5.5 rebounds per game. And one thing he did do was he stretched it out to the three-point line a little bit. Not a ton, but just, just enough that it, it could be a part of his game that he could develop. He had 27 out of 77 attempts. So if he can do that, that really changes the projection for what he could be, and it changes his ability to play alongside guys like Okafor or Noel. I can't see any way that he's not back again. He's another guy who is same contract as McConnell, fully non-guaranteed, about $1.5 million, the two-year veteran minimum, fully guaranteed on January 10th. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on him, but Rashawn Holmes is back, right? Absolutely. I mean, when Embiid went down, that opened the door for his playing time. Um, in February, he ended up averaging 14 and almost seven uh, rebounds. And then, of course, um, once uh, Nerlens Noel was – um, traded, he put up 14 games with a double-double, uh, or double-figure scoring, I'm sorry, and um, you know, is really reliable off the bench, even showed that he can uh, be a three-point threat at times as well, shooting uh, 35%, which was up from the 18% that he shot the year before as a rookie, so I think absolutely he's there, um, very much a rotation piece um, for them um, at, at the big man spot. Yeah, and I think he needs to be, right? I I think they're going to make sure they they are able to carve out consistent minutes for him. 
this coming season. So that brings us to our last guy of this group, and that's Sean Long. Sean Long was brought in last year on a 10-day contract and then ended up sticking around on the roster. His contract, again, fully non-guaranteed, but he is only at $1.3 million. He's at the one-year veteran minimum. And he his contract is structured, as I've said on previous shows, if you've listened, if you haven't, he gets 50K guaranteed on September 26th. What that really is is that's your training camp guarantee. Come to training camp and you'll get 50K. If he makes the opening night roster somehow 250K guaranteed, then fully guaranteed on the league-wide guarantee date of January 10th. My thought with Sean Long is he's absolutely going to be back for training camp because he showed enough. One thing that he had in his game that I didn't know he had was that he ended up hitting, let me see, it wasn't a lot, but he took 19 threes and he hit seven of them in the, mm-hmm. over the course of 18 games. So that's 36.8%, which is, is pretty solid, you know, all things considered for a guy who is mostly an inside dunker type of player. Thoughts on Sean Long? Is he at least coming to camp with the Sixers? Absolutely. They loved him when he played for Delaware last season. They wanted to actually um, really develop him. And, and with the the situation of the big man, I think um, too many guys in the way, the injuries ended up opening up just like they did for Rashawn Holmes. They opened up minutes um, for Sean Long to come in and, and play. I think he'll have a chance to prove himself, obviously, during summer league and then training camp and then get another uh, look from a, a different team. I think that's kind of the route they go. Yeah, I would be. I'll be mildly surprised if he makes the team out of camp, but I do think he's certainly there for a camp guy, and then he could be one of those guys who ends up um, back in the D League. They could even waive him and then sign him to one of those two-way contracts. As we see how those play out, it's not exactly. Sure, how we're going to see teams utilize those new new uh, two-way contracts, which if, if we haven't talked about them before, you don't know much about them, about them, it's really borrowing almost a baseball concept where a player signs a two-way deal, which means he's signing with both the NBA club and to be in the D-League. When he's in the D-League, he's paid a D-League salary, and when he is in the um, – NBA, he gets the NBA salary, and that's where it'll be. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, where that that goes and how teams use that. So now what we're going to close it out with, Pete, is two interesting questions on two guys. And we don't have a lot of time left, so we're going to get through the first guy super quick. Nick Stauskas, does he get a rookie scale extension or no? I think he does. Um, Okay. I think he he, um, showed flashes enough last year that he can prove his game. But – I think also on the flip side of that, he may end up being somebody that's a, a very viable trade candidate because he's upped his value so much. So, so it can he, go either way. So so let's get into this. So he's under contract this year for $3.8 million, but he's mm-hmm. eligible to have his contract extended to start his new big contract, his second-year non-rookie scale contract. You do think he's going to get an extension? If, if so, how, how much do you think? What do you think he's looking at? Um, I would put him in a in a lowered like tier, you know, maybe I would say eight to ten million a year. Not not a lot, like not a lot of drastic, um, you know, increase. But I personally think um, that by the trade deadline, he ends up getting moved um, somewhere, if not beforehand, especially if they um, are looking to to land a, a veteran there in that role because his value is basically as high as it's been because 
coming into Philadelphia, it was not very, not very good. Um, yeah, yeah, to say the least. He looked like he might have been on his way out of the NBA. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say no. I don't think he's gonna get one because I think the number it would take for Philly to offer is gonna be lower than what Stauskas will like. I think he will be willing to play out the year mm-hmm. and then see where he's at um, going into next year. So now the big dog, Joel Embiid. A couple people have been like, what do you mean he's eligible for a contract extension? He's already heading into his fourth year in the league, so that's when you're eligible after missing those two first two full years and then only playing playing in uh, half the season or so last year. He's eligible. Now, his number... It's going to have to be the max. It's going to have to be a full five-year max. I can't see anything else making sense for him to sign or Philadelphia to offer because if he gets to restrictive free agency, that's going to be out there on the table. Some team's going to do it. Some desperate team's going to throw that at him. My question is, full five-year maximum contract, are you comfortable giving that to Joel Embiid? Oh, it's tough. Um, Absolutely no-brainer if he had been healthy all season. Um, you got to weigh the the pros and cons. If you lose him to another team, you lose your centerpiece and your anchor of the defense. Um, you know, a, basically a star on offense. You you really have to, honestly. You you have to offer it to him. If you don't, you're risking too much because what do you have there to to make up for that? Jalil Okafor is not anything that I would want on the team to say. Well, this is our consolation prize if we lost out on Embiid. You just can't afford. Um, to, to lose out on him. I know he only played the 31 um, games and, and not playing back-to-back contests, but I think this year will be a lot different. I think rehabbing throughout the summer in the training camp and then just the excitement of Foltz and playing with um, Ben Simmons, I think that's enough to to really keep his drive there at a high level. And we saw what he could do in just a limited amount of time. I mean, he was one of the better centers in all-star consideration, no less. And, you know, he was a rookie. And, I mean, he just dominated. If you're Brian Colangelo, you have to go that route. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think you really you swallow hard and say, here it is, and you hope for the best and hope that all these injuries are behind him and that he's able to stay healthy moving forward because the core is Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, and Markel Fultz. That's what you're going to build around. That's what's going to be your next iteration. That's the group that they're hoping when the Cavaliers and Warriors age out of contention that that group of three is ready to lead Philadelphia back into title contention. But that's going to end the show. That's enough, or rather, that is all the time we have today. It's not enough time. We could have gone even deeper on all these topics. <laughs> yeah. But, Pete, let everybody know where, where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Pete Toll NBA. So it's P-E-T-E-T-O-A-L-M-B-A. Um, you know, always always up for great NBA discussions and and uh, things of that nature. Absolutely, and hit Pete up, get his follower count up. He's a he's a really good dude. He's become one of my better friends throughout the course of my time doing this in in the NBA world. Um, great guy and really knowledgeable. And if you ever want to know anything about video games, especially basketball video games, Pete's your guy too. He's got super deep knowledge on those kind of things, and you know really can can fill you in on some of that stuff. But that's going to do it for our show today. Thanks for joining us for the NBA front office. 
part of the Almighty Baller Network. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. It really does help the show. If you didn't enjoy us, hit me up on Twitter. You can find me at KeithSmithNBA, K-E-I-T-H, S-M-I-T-H, N-B-A. Hit me up with any feedback about the show, what you like, what you didn't like, and then we'll incorporate that and try to make it better. We want this to be your one-stop shop for all things rosters, transactions, salary cap, and CBA. We want you to come here and listen in and get, get all that knowledge we have to share, but Once again, this has been the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we'll talk to you next time. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. You don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.